Hi guys, welcome back to the 14th episode, I believe it is now, of the ASU Sports Business Podcast. I hope you guys are good. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, thanks again for your feedback from our previous podcast with George Chanda, um, works at StubHub, Partnerships and Activation Manager at StubHub, but also the owner of GC Sports Management. So he was talking everything about Zambia, Southern Africa, football, partnerships, activations. If you haven't listened, then please go back and listen to it. Um, so yeah, just a little, you know, as I do, just little things to remind you guys about. If you are following us on socials, fantastic. If you're not, then make sure you're following us. Uh, handles are Unified. We are on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, and also YouTube. I really want to um, highlight YouTube because um, we've got content on there now um, from our previous event. Again, I will always brag about that event because it was amazing. It really was. Um, so yeah, guys, please follow us on YouTube. Listen to some of our videos and the con- content and the insight about the African sports market. It was really, really great. Um, and now today, um, this has been... Actually, before I introduce who we have today, one other plug, subscribe to our podcast, guys. Make sure you subscribe. Um, usually what we do is that, uh, or what I do is that I send it out on my WhatsApps, but I'm not sure. Well, we want to move away from that anyway. So guys, please make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. That's what we're on. Um, so you guys, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment and engage with us because I am excited about today's episode. It's been a long time, a long time coming, but I'm glad to have a sports business specialist of the African market. His name is called Emeka Enyadike. I hope I pronounced that right, Emeka. Yeah, you, you, you did well. Oh, brilliant. Great, great, great. So yeah, Emeka Enyadike. He's actually Nigerian, but he's based in South Africa. He lives in Johannesburg. Um, he's the owner of Van Dyke Sports. And no, he didn't base it on the Liverpool centre-back. It's based on his surname, as I just mentioned. And also director at Digital Sports Africa. He's, Emeka has so much knowledge. He'll, I'll let him talk about it soon. But he's worked at Supersport since. At Supersport, one of the, if not the biggest broadcast, broadcast in Africa. He's worked for them since 2001 as an African football analyst. He now consults with them and various other organizations. He's been involved in the development of the Kick-Off magazine, one of the biggest magazines in South Africa. He's been on the board of various football teams, in particular Sharks FC, which is now part of Rivers United, a football team in Nigeria. He's been head of marketing for the Football Association of Port Harcourt, one of the regions in Nigeria. Uh, he's run successful marketing campaigns as part of Van Dyke Sports. He's been involved with uh, basketball in Nigeria, um, street football series for Adidas in Nigeria, the collaboration between Indomie. I'm sure loads of you guys know about Indomie. <laughs> but the collaboration between Indomie, the Super Falcons, and the basketball team in Nigeria. Being involved in the setup of street soccer activation with Nokia. So getting kids involved in playing football in the streets. Yeah, he's been, he just got a vast knowledge of so many things. So, Emeka, welcome. 
thank you once again for attending. It's it's a it's a it's a real pleasure. It's a real honour. Um, if I haven't, thank you very much. No worries. Um, if I haven't missed out anything, you just want to elaborate, just let the people know what you do and your experience and whatnot before we get into it. Well, I mean, look, I've, I've been involved in in, in sports in different. Uh, you know, if it's music, you'll say it's genres. Um, uh, essentially, I've been involved in in media. I've been involved in management. I've been involved in, as an administrator. Uh, I've also been involved with sports marketing and uh, probably one of the um, um, the oldest uh, people people involved in in digital marketing or what you call uh, one of the pioneers because yeah. um, I launched the kickoff website in 2002 when uh, people didn't really realize how much you need to do um, with with football on on the web yeah and um, it was quite a successful project and mm. that uh, was a game changer for Africa not just the magazine and the and the, and, and the website but but just the experience uh, of trying to to uh, combine uh, football and and the lifestyle yeah and and the emerging um, technologies as well at the time so yeah. um, that's a good point for the most part I'm, I'm very well known for for broadcasting, started out broadcasting with uh, the River State Television in 1992, yeah. and then I, I went on to the national TV um, the following year, and then I was involved with the World Cup broadcast for uh, 1994 World Cup and yeah. France 98 in the Olympics in Sydney, and just about every major international sports event yeah. uh, from then before I, I went on to Supersport. Uh, I, also, I also had stints with, with SABC and uh, ETV. Okay. And, those, those are local uh, broadcastings of Africa, right? South Africa broadcasting yes. company, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes, and I've also done done a lot of um, cameos for um, all of the other major networks, CNN, yeah. CNN uh, uh, BBC, and uh, Radio France, um, okay. International. Some of, the, some of them just... Um, uh, very simple coverage of events and providing insights and informed perspective. Um, so generally, being uh, very much a good representative for Africa. Decent. Sounds so, sounds good. Um, so let's. I guess let's just get straight into it. I, before we do, actually, just to let our listeners know that we are conducting this um, this podcast via Skype. So if there are any technical difficulties, then I'm sure you guys will be um, understanding of that. But, yeah, let's get straight into it. So, prior to um, doing this podcast, you know, you mentioned some key areas that you want to talk about, such as the current state of the business, the sports business market in Africa, uh, talent, um, data, and analytics. So, I guess maybe for this first part, let's discuss the the actual state of the sports business market in Africa and talent. And so, to begin with, and again, just to let our listeners know, today is the day that the PSL finished, uh, just came to an end. Um, the Sundowns were crowned champions again. But generally, even outside of football maybe, how is the, in your opinion, Emeka, how is the, um, the, the African sports market? Because obviously in here in, in Europe, people may have an understanding of you know, the sport, the, the sponsor and the media all playing their part to help build up a strong sporting ecosystem. Whereas, and of course over here we have education, other things like that, that's a bit more prominent 
and understanding how important sports can be to an economy. But how is that reflected on the continent? And if it's totally different, like how is that in your opinion? How how, how are the fundamentals of it? Um, I think I think for Africa, the the, the whole um, understanding of the sports industry is a bit um, misplaced to to a large extent because uh, of a lot of political involvement in in the running of sports on the continent. Um, South Africa is, is an exception because uh, South Africa has embraced. Uh, global best practices and that's why you know like today we witnessed the end of the league if you were watching it like we did yeah. um, it, it was pretty much run uh, the same way if, as if you were watching the Premier League or the end of the of the La Liga or, or the Bundesliga everything you know was done according to script and yeah. um, it was good to see all the games start at the same time and finish at the same time yeah. um, with a plan made for um, helicopters to 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 take the, the trophy to wherever it ended because there was a, a two-way battle between uh, Orlando Paris on the one hand and Sundown. So um, if, if Sundowns had drawn the game and Paris did win, uh, Paris would have been crowned champion. So you know the chopper would have gone to to, to Orlando Stadium in Soweto where yeah. Paris would have been crowned. But as it turned out, um, Sundowns won in won in the free state and and. Uh, the presentations were done. Everything was done to script. Um, in in most of North Africa as well, they try as much as possible to um, maybe even match or surpass that you know, for the most part. But uh, for a lot of sub-Saharan Africa, there's a um, there's a real struggle because a lot of the, the teams depend a lot on on, on, on government funding, and mm-hmm. as, well as such, the, the structures are are still um, you know being run by non-professionals. And what has changed in the global sports industry is that uh, people have realized way over 30, 40 years ago that this was an emerging industry that yeah. uh, even though it was the of, of fans and all of the elements of winning, um, it was still essentially a business in which uh, people invest good money in, in it and expect good returns. And, and that created good governance structures and, you know, at the end of the day, created um, a, a real uh, financial ecosystem around the, the, the sports that uh, businesses evolved, mm-hmm. whether it's it's um, in terms of uh, merchandise, in terms of uh, kitting the teams, in terms of creating experiences for fans. And, you know, for, in Africa, we still haven't realized that um, at the center of everything that happens in sports, it's not just the, the athletes or the players, but all. But more than anything else, it's the, the business of sports revolves around the fans, yeah. and and that is something that um, maybe to, a, to to an extent um, in recent times has been helped by the evolution of social media and the yeah. and the impact um, on, on Africa yeah. um, to the extent that it is more the European uh, sporting organization and the teams, especially in, the, in European football, who benefit from it because the African football fans, who by the way are Probably some of the youngest and uh, most mobile-centric, yeah. uh, you know, fans are now being drawn to 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 all of that. And, mm-hmm. and what what it has done is is increase the earning power yeah. of European sports industry um, as against what the Africans could gain if we actually tried to change yeah. our, our structure. Yeah, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. And and even from the outside looking in, I think. Africa has um, maybe opened up, opened up more in terms of its willingness to, to understand and learn more about how the actual business of sport works. And from what you said, 
um, so one of the maybe stumbling blocks is like government government funding and still government involvement in sports. I think it's not it's not a secret to everyone how there's so much wealth on the continent. When do you think will be a time where or how can the likes of you know your Dan Gottes or even like um, music entertainment like music artists some private funding getting into sports is that in sports in Africa is that slowly happening or is there still a lack of understanding or maybe do they see it as too risky? Um, I think it's it's not it's not that, that they see it as being too risky. It's just that the, the structure is um, does not inspire a lot of confidence because if you're an investor, you want to be sure that where you're investing your money, yeah. there, there's a management and governance uh, framework in place that allows for, for the business to thrive yeah. and also allows for um, accountability and um, all of the global best practices that we know yeah. uh, involve in a institution where, you know, government funding in, in and of itself is not a bad thing. Yeah. It's just that with it comes um, the situation where it's you don't have the right right people being uh, put into positions um, until we realize in Africa that um, because it's now an industry, there are people who are specialists, who are trained, educated, and you know have the experience to to run the, the structures. If you look around Europe today, you find that a lot of the, the clubs have got yeah. the same kind of corporate structures that you find in some of the, the large um, multinational and uh, you know real in, uh, in industrial mm. structures where you have people who have um, the right positions in in finance being being placed to run because of the kind of finance you have in sports is very different from what you find in banking yes. or oil or other other industries. Yeah, um, we have too many of these stereotypes of civil servants and people who have absolutely no clue um, how to run the business being mm. there. And so what, what happens is that we pretty much run, run um, for the most part, an, an industry that relies more and more on, um, you know, on, on one side of the balance sheet, which is expenditure and very little on on the side of revenue. And um, when you talk about revenue, they always look at, oh no, we can't attract fans to the, to the stadium. And um, at the end of the day, it's, it's not just fans. It's just about about ticketing. You've got to have. We've got. You know, people think sometimes we don't have good stadiums in Africa. We do have, in terms of the physical structure, we have yeah. a lot of big stadiums because um, all around Africa, we we had a, a, a great deal of military dictators who, mm-hmm. um, out of their self-centered uh, ideals, built some really. Um, Massive structures, and yeah. sometimes what, how you how you know how big they are is, is when there's a big um, World Cup qualifier or, or African Nations Cup qualifier where yeah. you have one of the big teams playing against some other teams. You find that they have um, stadia with capacity of, of mostly on the average sixty to seventy thousand wow. spectators in some of the, the major capitals. Um, the problem is that sometimes they're not well maintained, and they also don't realize that um, there's an evolution in the industry where uh, some of those facilities have to be. Um, fan friendly, you know, you can't get into the stadium, and fans yeah. have to rely on on mobile networks for 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 Wi-Fi, or you've got to to rely on uh, you know not knowing how to get get to where where there's a concourse or so where there's where there's a uh, hospitality yep. uh, facility, and mm-hmm. then security arrangements are not well in place. There are no proper transport systems, 
of how people get in and out of facilities yeah. or even their safety when they're within those, those, those facilities. Yeah. Some of those things have become proper arts, art forms that, you know, people are taught how to, how to run these things. And we, we've got tragedies that have happened in the past, but um, for the most part, we don't seem to have learned uh, so much and, yeah. and a lot is not changing as well. Yeah, that's well. Yeah, that is that is unfortunate to hear, especially about the stadia. But I think infrastructure is being done. Um, and and, and another, another area that you mentioned too was I know we're going to touch on this later on when we talk about digital media and analytics, but um, um, fan engagement and the whole use of social media. You're not the first person to say this, but we are in a phase now of um, digital disruption and there is evidence that the internet penetration within Africa is growing at an exponential rate. Um, so capturing and engaging those fans, and even over here in Europe, we understand that uh, the fans are, if not the key, the most important stakeholder in sport, because without fans, there is no sport. Um, do you see a lot of, not even like your mainstream sports like football, but do you see a lot of organisations and governing bodies within the continent um, latching onto this and engaging more with fans and making increasing the use of social media. No, absolutely. Um, there, there, there's been a change, um, uh, particularly uh, within the uh, professional football ranks. Yeah. And and you'll find that, um, especially in places like Egypt, Morocco, Tunisia, um, uh, South Africa, and uh, some of the East African countries, like in Tanzania. Yeah. Where you have some very big teams like Yanga and Simba, um, uh, some of the research that we've done with Digital Sports Africa has been around trying to find out um, what the, the the proper state of the fan base of the clubs uh, yeah. within Africa, and you know what we found was really um, instructive because you find that in you know some of the, the biggest clubs are, are, are Alali and, and Zamalek in, in Egypt, yeah. uh, followed by the Moroccan clubs, Wider and Raja Casablanca. And then, of course, you've got Kaiser Chiefs and Orlando Pirates, and in recent times, Sundowns, and, and obviously some of the teams in Tunisia as well. So what you, what is surprising is that if you go around where you are, you've got some of the strongest teams in Africa, where there's even even the, 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 the biggest fan base for for football fans, um, like Nigeria and Ghana and Ivory Coast and Senegal and the rest of them, they, they're not doing a lot. The, the clubs, they're not doing a lot. And um, the, op- the funny part of it is that the direct opposite is that when you you then do a, a research around um, how many of the, the fan, football fans in those countries follow the European teams, you find that they have probably more number yes. than some of the other countries that I mentioned. Yes, so um, it says that the problem is not that there are no fans. It's just that the, the local clubs have gone to sleep yeah. and are not done enough. And, and in, in, in modern football business, um, the size of your fan base on digital media is mm-hmm. almost proportionate to your ability to attract fans to your game because it's, it's all about um, you know, what you're, you're offering to them and mm-hmm. how you're able to reach them. If you can't reach the, reach the fans, if you expect that yeah. fans will rely on radio or other means of electronic or or print forms of communication, uh, whereas everyone is on a mobile phone and people are on social media, and that's where you need to reach them. Yeah. Um, I remember going to, to speak at a um, university in Nigeria where they had the West Africa University Games, and um, 
the, the concern was how do they get fans to turn up for the game because yes, there was a big Premier League game the next day and I was trying to explain to them mm-hmm. that you know if the the, 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 the the same students that you're trying to reach to come to your event that they need to just walk to um, are not going to come to that, that event because you're not communicating to them yeah. and, and, and the Premier League is able to communicate to them that, and as well as all of the major international media communicate to them there's a big game between Arsenal and Manchester United or Arsenal versus Chelsea or Man City versus Liverpool, then you're definitely not not going to be able to compete with that. Yeah, for sure. That 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 issue has always been there. You know, competing against these other big broad, well, big competitions, the Premier League and La Liga. Um, but it's interesting. It's interesting to get your thoughts on that. And again, just to highlight the the opportunities and obviously the, the hurdles that exist. And yeah, get a more um, what's the word? A more a, a better perspective of, of, of the African market from someone who's actually living and breathing it. Hi guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of African Sports Unified and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Please do let us know your thoughts. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss or people you want to join us on a the podcast, then we'll be keen to know more. Connect with us on social media, AS Unified across all platforms or simply leave a comment. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. Um, so another area that I want to touch on, and that I know you're heavily involved in. So, for example, well, not for example, recently with um, Van Dyke Sports. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you held a was it a, a football trial or, or a coaching session or anyway, you facilitated the staff or the coaching staff from Mines FC, uh, a club in the Bundesliga. To come over and um, do a you know a session or or whatnot like a community uh, activity, coaching talent. And now, talent as we know in on on the continent, not just in football but in various sports, athletics, um, um, especially long distance running too, even basketball now, it's it's huge. Now we've had different um, we've had different yeah we get different stories of great success stories, but also areas where unfortunately people have been taken advantage of and whatnot but in your opinion um in terms of talent is it is it is it a saturated market because there's so many organizations that go to africa uh, that get talent and come out like is it saturated how do you how does one stand out from the crowd there um i, I don't think it's saturated i think that um on the contrary there there isn't enough being done to reach out on, on the talent. I think, I think if there's one area where Africa has got tremendous comparative advantage, it is in the area of talent because we are wow. built, um, we're built for sports. We, 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 are, we are fast, we are, we are physically strong, and we are, um, you know, we, we also have the capacity to learn how to, to, how to do sports. You know, mm. uh, one of the, the most amazing things I found, um, you know, several years ago on a trip to, to the United States was just how many Nigerians play American football and we don't even play the, the sport in, in, yeah, in Nigeria. Yeah. Um, so it, it just tells you that um, take a kid from Africa and and show them some of the, the rudiments of the game and give them time and they will. And one of the most interesting stories um, that I ever came across was um, in the 90s of a Nigerian 
former Nigerian shot pool and shot pool and, and discourse thrower who was at Azusa Pacific University who became known as the Nigerian nightmare Christian Okoye. <laughs> yeah. He went he went from from uh, missing out on the Los Angeles Olympics um, to becoming one of the the most feared running backs in the NFL history. He used to run people over, <laughs> and he never played the sport until he was over twenty. Wow. Um, so um, one thing that that I I, that is very dear to me, to me is, is, is talent development mm-hmm. because um, I was quite fortunate that when I was at university, um, I was I was um, seventeen. Yeah. Uh, when I when I got appointed as the university's team manager, which was very rare because back then you know students didn't get appointed as, as university team manager. They had a huge sports sports department with a yeah. sports head of sports, and they had all of that. All of that. But, um, uh, you know, I, I was initially uh, first made the assistant team manager, and then um, after six months, I became the team manager. And I was team manager for, for uh, the, my final three years at, in university and also coached the team um, without any qualification other than the fact that I was a management student at the time as well. <laughs> um, it became part of my own industrial attachment because yeah. um, the, the, the one thing that I found uh, was just how much talent was available because yeah. um, in my final year um, I had players in the, in the team that were playing for, for professional teams so it was difficult to get them to play when the school had matches so um, I remember um, that year a number of new students had come, come in and because they were new we didn't know who was a football player or who had um, whatever, and I did go out to um, an off-campus uh, location where the students stayed, and I took balls and all that, and I got them uh, to do some kind of uh, screening, mm-hmm. and I found enough players um, who were freshmen um, to play for. The, it was difficult if we were freshmen to get into the school team because um, you know, university in Port Harcourt, my university, university university. Of science and technology at the time, now now called University University, was um, um, a science-based university. So you had to be academically sound to get in there because there wasn't any any easy course for you to go through. But we yeah. did have some engineering students who were playing for sharks um, at the time, and one of them, our goalkeeper, was also goalkeeper for one of the teams in Lagos. The club used to fly him over. So getting players, so it was an experience for me to get so much of those those uh, talents. And I was able to get them into the school team, and we were able to compete. And then eventually, when we qualified for the for the main main event, some of the bigger players then came back, yeah. and then they had to struggle. And eventually, some of the, the these young players made it to the to the, to the school team. So I, I knew from from back then, and also from my experience as a high school student, also that um, because of our population, and also the, the the fact that football was such a big big passion. Uh, there's always that, that that talent, so I've always stayed um, in touch with anything that had to do with talent development. Unfortunately, okay. you know, being heavily involved with media like, like I have been, yeah. I've been kind of detached from it. But I also did have a time out when I was uh, I was at Sharks, um, and also with the with the FA, and then of course we, some of the, the the grassroots and development programs. We we ran leagues in in rural communities. Um, so, okay. uh, if there's anyone who knows about talent in in Africa and especially in Nigeria, I think uh, I know I know no, more than a lot bit. of people. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, 
So, and I think, as I was mentioning, so regarding talent, um, as you alluded to just then, I'm, like, we have so many clubs or organisations realising, as you mentioned, the talent that's, that is in Africa in general. How do you, how do you go about maybe working with these clubs and whatnot and delivering these, is it, is it a talent search? Like, like, what is it? Or is it just to help get a, a club in to help coach basic skills? Um, so on the international level, how is it going about partnering with these clubs or sporting organisations? And on the local level, how do you go about gathering gathering the right the right people do you go through academies because um we we held a a podcast about um the talent in africa and and the whole pyramid system there are many many academies that are not registered with like local local governing bodies so how do you go about on the local side gathering the players and the international side um partnering with certain clubs do you look for clubs that have a right ethos um, and whatnot? How, how do you go about that? Um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite fortunate that I, I I have a very long history of um, established relationships in in Europe because, yeah. um, like I did say, apart from my, I, I did all, all of my um, primary, high school. Um, I also did one year A level, and then I went. I did university. All of that, I did all that in Port Harcourt. But um, subsequently, most of most of my postgraduate um, studies I did in Europe, and um, we did, especially when you you study. Uh, uh, I mean, I did the Euroleague um, MB, uh, sports MBA program, which was at the time called the the EBI Master in Sports Marketing and Management, yeah. um, um, with Carl University in Venice, and and that put me into the Euroleague network. Um, what, um, alumni network, which, basketball? Um, yes, okay, yes, it's, yeah. it's run. It's a, they've got a, uh, an institute that runs a sports MBA program, okay. and they run it with different universities. So I, I, I ran mine with um, Kafoska University in Venice, and um, at the time we, we we did a lot of case studies, and also um, being part of the the alumni network, it includes people from all. Um, Various sports organizations mm-hmm. around the, the mm-hmm. around Europe, yeah. and and so um, I've got a network with just about any club you can you can name in Europe and mm-hmm. so on. Um, I also have um, extensive relationships from from some other programs that, that I okay. did a leadership program with that was run by the London School of Business and, and, and Finance uh, as well as Liverpool uh, Football Club. Oh, good. Um, did another one also at the University of Bayreuth in Germany, uh, which was run in, in conjunction with the European Association of Sports Management, mm-hmm. and that's another network as well that I, that I belong to. Oh. And then the final one is the German Sports University in, in Cologne, uh, where I'm part of the Olympic Studies program. And uh, you know, we did also comes another network. Yeah. So um, if you if you add that to, to the fact that I um, uh, sometimes a, a regular speaker at some of those conferences and also been involved with um, attending, attending a lot of uh, uh, conferences with, starting with SoccerX from over 20 years ago yeah. uh, where I get a network with a lot of clubs. So in terms of what a lot of the clubs do, um, I've listened to all kinds of presentations and I know which ones 
are, are run for commercial purposes and not which ones are mm. run with development uh, at heart. So, uh, okay. you know, give it over time, I, I wanted to be able to do something that was um, based on development mm. and um, and sustainable development because I don't believe that it's possible for you to, to I, don't, I don't believe in running them as a charity yeah um, but you know we run it in a way where we have a model where those who can afford um, we will obviously pay and then those who, who can't we will find sponsors yeah. who will um, who will take care of, of those ones so eventually it's not I mean no one is uh, is left out okay. so um, um, we've, we've got that 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 structure in place because we we wanted to be able to um, to have uh, very much control over what we do because we didn't want to do it in a way where you know we we had we had to work with third parties that we had no control over so yeah. we we set up a proper club which is duly registered with the with the FA and and our club has got structures um, that will start from from ages six. All the way to to a first team. Oh, sweet. So let, let me let me interject. So you've so on the local side of things, you set up a club. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's how you merged. That's how you merged the Van Dyke team. Football Club. Yes. What's the name of the team? Sorry. It's called Van Dyke Football Club. It's got a website, oh. VanDykeFC.com. That's brilliant. So you set up both on a local a football club to obviously have a pathway for the talent and also through your networking. Through education, meeting people, you've met people on the international side of things, and so you're merging the two. Is that correct? Yes, that's what we're doing. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, and and um, um, the reason is because I, from my experience, um, you know, as being part of the FA, being part of um, Sharks, being part of managing a university football team for three years, being involved with with media, being being involved in in sports marketing being involved across Africa, I know for a fact that, yeah. you know, if, you, if, you have, if you've got a vision and you want to make it work, you've got to, you've got to have full control of the entire yeah. food chain or the yeah. ecosystem. You've got to have a, um, um, a control over it. That way you can implement mm. programs and, and run, run it with, with, with partners, strategic mm. partners, and, and, and get the result that you want. And, I, you know, for us, it's... It's been a, a, a very great start because everything has gone according to script because yeah. we've we've um, we've gone with the right the right partners. We, we we could work with with bigger clubs, yeah. But but we do know that a lot of the bigger clubs don't have too much patience uh, to want to run run programs in Africa. So that that was uh, actually sorry to interject. That was actually my my next question. So of course we we know how you've met people in through your education and your networking and events. But then how do you ascertain who to actually work with? So obviously each organization could have different motives. Have you said even some of the bigger clubs are a bit more difficult to get contact with? You may come across certain clubs who maybe they don't really care about Africa or they just want to get the best talent and leave and you have others who maybe want to maybe want to grow their brand, um, reach more fans. But others who actually want to, you know, put a stake in the ground in Africa. So, how do you go about deciding which ones to work with? Uh, is it better working with ones you think long term, or you don't mind working with ones you just want to get talent and that's it? Um, so, yeah, how how do you go about that? I mean, for for for, for me, it's something that I've I've, um, 
I've worked on for so many years. The, the, the football club we originally started in 2006 before I, I moved to South Africa. Yeah. And um, we, 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 we put it on, on, on the cooler because um, I wasn't around to, to, to keep, I mean, yeah. to look after it on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, busy. <laughs> um, I shut it down. Yeah. And then we started it up, up again um, towards the end of last year. And, and early this year, we got all the systems in place and, and we're still putting all the, all the necessary structures in, in place because we wanted to get all the right partnerships in place and, and also find the right people to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, of how, how we went about choosing which partner to, to, to work with was, um, I mean, over the years, we've, all, we've, we've spoken with a lot of clubs and uh, for the most part, a lot of them, or what they look at in Africa is, is two things. Um, apart from, you know, obviously wanting to get talent, they mostly want to grow their brand. Okay, and, so. and for us, um, you know, we we think that more the more um, club that will be able to pay attention um, and and work on on coach coach development, um, train the trainer, trying to develop our coaches, and also working with um, the right system. So we had to to look at what each and every one of them was doing in Asia, in particular, where I know that. They've got a bigger market and a bigger spending power. What they yeah. do in Asia and what they do in America, uh, we 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 checked every single one of them, and we've got a, a very good partner partner in Germany. Uh, actually, two of them. We've got a partnership with Result Sports in Germany, who work with some of the biggest clubs in in Europe. They work with Barcelona, they work with Man City, they work with Roma, they work with. So, if we actually wanted any of those clubs, we have we could easily um, work with 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 them. Yeah. Um, and, and through that partnership, we, we also got into got a, another partnership with a company called Shakhtar Sports in Germany that works with a lot of the, the Bundesliga clubs around some of their their activations uh, in Asia and North America and South America and also in Europe and what they do with uh, developments uh, and all that. And through that network, we were able to to then look at what what Mainz was doing and, yeah. and they they liked what we, we had in, in place and were able to um, start developing the, the framework for what we've just launched in Lagos, which is the first um, Minds of, uh, 05 uh, football school project. Yeah, that's that's so interesting what you said. And, I mean, firstly, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Time's gone so quick, <laughs> but I try and keep things in check a bit, you know. Um, I want to ask you one more question on this subject. So at, at the event that we held... One of the key areas that was spoken about is trust, building trust with partners and yeah, building trust with partners about your brand, just so people know that yeah, these guys are here, you can trust them to deliver something. So, my question to you is, how do you go building the trust with these? With these brands and clubs that you work with, I know you mentioned before that you go to conferences, educate yourself, etc. But I'm sure there is more into building trust which you have done. Well, I mean, look, I've I've I've, I've built I've built a reputation um, in the industry and, and globally, not just um, in in Africa, but across the, the globe. Um, the, the biggest challenge, obviously, is I mean, if you're Nigerian, there's always this assumption that uh, you know um, you know. Can you can they be can you be trusted or not? Or not? Um, the, the the biggest asset I've got is my name and my reputation and um, all all of what I've done within within the industry. And I've always been about 
um, how to improve things in the in the industry. And so, um, whether my, my work, um, you know, with with clubs or with with the with the FA or even with basketball. I mean, I, I single-handedly revived basketball in Nigeria in 2004 and got them all the sponsorships and things that they need, and um, also created um, you know layers which. Uh, I mean, with the football when when I launched kickoff, uh, so you know I've done. I think I've paid my dues in the industry mm-hmm. when it comes to to the sports industry and the fact that uh, I mean I obviously do have not just the experience but also the the qualifications and the and the know how and and also some great achievements in the in the area. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never struggled with that because. If if I went to to one organization and they were not interested, yeah. um, there was always always another organization who was interested in in working with me. And my my problem for the most part is is how do I um, uh, manage the various interests that that now want to work with me? Because um, in every field that I operate in, there's always more than one organization that wants to work with me, and sometimes uh, some want to work exclusively, and I have to try and respect that as well yeah um if, if i do I agree with it and and you know I, i'm also very loyal to people that i work with if i work with a particular organization i want to stick to that organization and yeah. help to grow the brand so okay uh we've we've tried to do everything within our uh our powers and at uh, at the core of everything that we've done in, in sports has been um uh the, the brand that's associated with me which is van dyke and yeah uh, we'll try to keep it alive now. That's good. I, I I like your way of thinking, and I like how you're going about things. It's very good. Okay, so Emika, as you, you mentioned just now, actually, about you helping to build uh, basketball in Nigeria in 2004. Do you just want to elaborate more on that, how you went about it and whatnot? Um, so, so basketball is my second passion, yeah. and, and I, I've known from my university days how... Um, how big it was, and uh, you know, even though it's always playing second fiddle to to football, yeah. uh, the one big attraction for me has always been that we we produced probably one of the greatest basketball players in Akim Olajuwon. Yeah. And so uh, when I was involved with with uh, the, the football magazine, I realized that kickoff, and I realized that um, basketball wasn't doing. There was no league. Because and I did speak to them and they said that well their biggest problem was they didn't have sponsorship and they couldn't get sponsorship because of football. So um, I, I got involved with it on the back of the experience I had already um, with Adidas. We we run the the street basketball series in Port Harcourt uh, through a franchise that I had with with, with them um, very successfully. So I was very convinced that uh, that the the interest was there. And, and I know for a fact that in Nigeria, after football, basketball was the second biggest sport. So we we we, we ran a successful um, um, program with Adidas, and we even had had um, um, basketball league set up in Pony Island when they were building the LNG project. And uh, we also ran another basketball tournament with Mobile. Mm. So um, I knew that doing a national tournament yes involved a lot of. Uh, a lot more work convincing, but and then, then there was also a lot of politics. But we tried to navigate that, and we convinced yeah. first Vodacom, then the company became V Mobile, and we we ran um, a very successful league wow. in Nigeria. We still run till till today. That's brilliant. Um, that is brilliant. We 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 when when the company was was sold and the the new 
uh, Kuwaiti owner didn't want to do for sports. We managed to convince DSTV uh, along with SuperSport to, yeah. to 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 be involved with it as well. And um, um, I was also involved with the NBA from Silverbed uh, TV where we had the, the broadcast rights. Yeah. And then moving to South Africa, uh, luckily the NBA became partners with SuperSport as well, and I continued to work with them even serving uh, at the point as the Africa editor. So so. Um, basketball is even even though I'm very well known with football, I think basketball is uh, probably a close second. Yeah. And uh, fortunately for me, you know, I got involved with the Euroleague uh, through my master's program. Okay, yeah, that's and, true. Um, and so uh, that kind of gives me probably as much of um, maybe the same kind of network that I've got with, yeah, with, with football I've got with basketball as well yeah. so that's very that's very um, interesting so that's very interesting you say that you've more or less you've more, you more or less single-handedly built a sporting uh, ecosystem you had the sport you had the sponsors and then you got the media involved that's excellent <laughs> yes yeah that's very good and going I, on, I, I actually did get Nike as well involved oh, wow. um when, when I did the sponsorship, Nike kitted every team in Nigeria, and also we got us uh, with the national team. We got Indomie involved with the women's team, yeah. Because we we had um, with Van Dyke, we had five years of exclusive worldwide uh, marketing rights to everything Nigerian basketball. So yeah. uh, we built built a very successful um, um, program. Yeah. That's, um, you know, on the basis of what, when I look at how what Nigeria has achieved now, we've won the African titles, we've, yeah. we have qualified for the world championship, we've, we've gone to the Olympics. Wow. Yes, I may not be involved today, but uh, my biggest satisfaction is that the foundations, you know, yeah. I was very involved with it, so that, f- that, that makes me happy. I, f- I feel we could do a, a standalone podcast just on that case study alone, for you to just talk about how you've done it. Maybe, guys, if you want to hear that, let us know. Um, I know we're yeah. a busy guy, but we'll fit that in definitely. Yeah, I, I think we can do that. It's yeah. um, it's it's a it's a it's a very in, interesting case study. If yeah. You, if you if we if we dig deep into it, it's, it wasn't all rosy, um, but it's probably one good example of how not to run sports in Africa. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be i be yeah. We can make that happen. We can make yes. that happen. So on the back of that, now um, was it this year in January? The NBA, along with FIBA, announced the uh, Basketball Africa League. Um, that will be, I think, starting next year with 12 teams across three or four countries. Um, now, again, at the event that we ran, I know our followers would have heard me say this before. We spoke about this, and there was a mixed message or mixed response from the from our delegates and even from our speakers about the NBA Africa and the Basketball Africa League. In your opinion, Amaka, as we wrap up, what's your what's your thoughts of that? Is it good for the continent? Is it bad? Do you think it would be better for Africa to do it alone by themselves, or do you think this collaboration is the best way? Like, what's your thoughts on look, that? Look, I look, I think that we we've been running, we've been trying to do it ourselves, and, yeah. and we haven't gotten it right. Um, I mean, basketball, I think, should be um, maybe even pop, even even bigger than football in Africa because the infrastructure for basketball is. Uh, and and the entire system and structure of basketball is very much in line with 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 the the youth culture. Yeah. is in, is in line with the, the lifestyle. is in line with some of the brands and the digital 
media and everything that happens within this space. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the timing is just perfect for um, a solid African uh, basketball league, and I think that it's it's good. Uh, it's not just the the NBA. I think we should get Euro League. We should get even more because there are kids in Africa. We have this narrative where it seems as if every kid in Africa must play football. I don't think so. I think that we, we, we can have more kids in Africa mm. who want to play basket, basketball and we've got a lot of them. You know, height is not ex- exactly uh, the only requirement but we do have a lot of tall kids who yeah. don't want to play football and want to play basketball and I think that it's a great idea to have it. We just need to ensure that there's a balance between um, what the MBAs uh, and FIBA's um, ambitions are and what um, is good for the African kids. Yeah. Um, whoever is saying that it's not a good thing, they, they don't understand what it means for a kid in Africa to aspire to play in the NBA mm. or to play uh, for you know to play at the highest pinnacle of the sport. Yeah. Um, that we have what we call the basketball without borders, which has taken a lot of kids yeah, from true. Africa yeah. to to the NBA. People don't realize that. Um, two things happen there. One is a lot of these kids don't just go to America or to Europe to, to play. They go there to study. They get an education. Yeah. And maybe out of every hundred that goes there, maybe five make it to the MBA. But the point is that every one of them gets an education mm-hmm. and they get, they get um, a chance in life to make it. And and I've seen, I've attended basketball with that board, and I've seen players who have come, come through and I can tell you a lot of them because it's held here in Johannesburg and I attended for many years. So yeah. a lot of the players that I saw here were just kids who were dreaming and today they're, they're earning millions. So, yeah. you know, anybody who is saying that um, it goes back to where we started from, which is the, the structure of the sports industry in Nigeria. It's, it's the sports industry in Africa, sorry. It feeds off the politicians, it feeds off the, the administrators, it feeds off the, the people who leech on the sports mm. and... Um, their complaints about all of this is okay. They don't have control over it. Over it, and it's some external body coming to do it. I don't think there's a there's a law that says you can't start yours. You can run yours and run it in parallel. Isn't it better that they are coming to run the league in Africa, other than where we we have a problem now where with our football we're struggling for airtime against European leagues that yeah. obviously sit in Europe and they they're getting all the all the money. So, mm. I mean, we they, until we start thinking in Africa about the ultimate beneficiaries, which are the, the, the young people, um, I think that, uh, you know, everybody should just um, uh, show us what they've done. Yeah. No, sounds good. I, I lied. This is going to be my last question before we wrap up. Um, something that I'm very interested in is where do we, in your thoughts, where is the, where is the line drawn, if there is a line at all, between um, talent going abroad to make a career of themselves? How much, or is that a detriment to the development of local sports? So we see it in football, we see it in basketball. Obviously, players growing up in Africa going abroad, which is great. But does that hinder the growth of local sports on the continent? Um, on the one part, it looks like it hinders the, the development of local sport, and that is because we want to keep our best talents here. But the only way we can keep our best talents here is that we develop our our industry. Yeah. And on, on, unless you understand that um, the, the global market marketplace is is obviously run and ruled by 
forces of demand and supply. Um, you definitely need to understand that the 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 the, 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 the sports global sports ecosystem is based on getting the best possible talent, which means that um, you know they can find a, a, a kid in in Africa uh, like like Mohamed Salah, like yeah. like Sadio Mane, like Jiji uh, Drogba, like Jiji Okocha. Um, if if they played in Africa, they probably wouldn't fulfill their 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 ultimate goals because you you look at it and say you might ask the same question about South America where in Argentina and Brazil they've got uh, so much talent. Lionel Messi was taken to Barcelona when he was thirteen. Yeah. So who are we to question um, the talent going from here? And we've, you've seen also the difference it makes in the in, in their life. Um, what we need to find is is then um, ask ourselves a, a simple question, and this is this is the question that we, that we never ask in Africa: of all the players that have been transferred out of Africa, how much money has come back, and what have we done with the money that has come back for for that? Because th- that um, is part of the the football economy. But what you find is that for the most part, some of it is not declared. You have no no clue you know, what, what happens with it. Yeah. And then you also find that people just complain, uh, but they haven't done anything as well to to ensure that if a player is playing in, in Africa, he's earning a lot of money. In South Africa, a lot of players um, go to Europe, they come back to South Africa and they earn more money playing for Sundowns or playing for for oh. Chiefs or Pirates than they are if they're playing for for a low-division team or in some of the lower leagues in, in yeah, Europe. So... Um, in Egypt and Tunisia and Morocco and uh, I think yeah about four, four, four of the, f- the five North African countries mm-hmm. uh, their, their best players are still able to to remain there or they go to Europe for a few years and they come back mm-hmm. and they still earn a decent living so yeah. um, the big question to the rest of Sub-Saharan Africa is what, what are we doing um, to ensure that we do that before we start complaining that mm. there's a <laughs> You know, talent, talent going out. Yeah. I mean, if somebody's playing basketball in Africa and he has the option to go to the NBA, yeah, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's a no-brainer. It, it makes sense. I, I totally agree. Um, cool. So that would be my final question. Um, and guys, I'll be honest. I know um, at the beginning we're going to do two other topics, but this has just been great. So what I think we do is that we'll break it up. So we'll this podcast will come to an end. And then we'll do another one where we'll talk more about analytical and data, more areas that I know you're interested in, Amaka. Um, But before we wrap up, I have a few quick-fire questions, okay? So you need to answer in, give me one-word answers. Well, a few words, yeah? Is that okay? Okay. All right. So the first one is, if there was one thing you would introduce to the African sports market, what would it be? Um, it will be uh, a, a bet registry in every African country. Oh, so bet registry. We don't cheat. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't see that one coming. Okay. So next question now is this. Would you rather prepare a meal or do all the cleaning up afterwards? Um, I'm not I'm not a good... A good I'm, I'm ter- terrible at cooking. Or I'm <laughs> probably not... I don't know how to cook. But, <laughs> If I can, if I can learn how to make the meal, probably better. Okay, cool. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, next question: Who has the most interesting job in sports? Uh, 
that would be me. Hey, I love that. Nice one. <laughs> nice one. Um, next question now. This is probably more than one word. Um, but where would Emeka be in five years from now? You know, it's it's difficult because um, I think I think I kind of evolve with with the changes in the in the industry. A lot of people who are my age yeah. uh, can't keep up with social media or keep <laughs> up with whatever it is. So I think yeah. you know I've gone from doing uh, radio to 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 television, newspapers. Uh, by the way, I, I actually did start a uh, national Na- Nigerian soccer weekly newspaper in Nigeria in 1995. Wow. Um, so, uh, you know, newspapers to magazines, to TV, local TV, national TV, international mm-hmm. TV broadcasts, to, okay. um, to websites, to applications, to yeah. uh, podcasts, to social media, you name it. So, yeah. um, I think I'm like... Uh, um, Ever evolving? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think I, I, I get it. So. Okay. Cool. Um, it's almost like I kind of challenge the, 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 the sports industry like you know yeah. what do you have next and I'm there okay we shall see we shall see and uh, and lastly um, in a few words what is your secret to success I think it's I think it's much uh, um, drive uh, determination and also um, I'm always willing to learn, you know. Yeah. I, I, yes, so people see me as an expert, but the thing is that uh, I try and learn every day. Yeah. Um, if something is new and I don't know, I'll ask someone. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to ask or, or learn from. I mean, when I started doing websites and and digital, I learned from people. Yeah. And uh, you know, so that's how it is, it's been for me. Okay. Even in broadcast, I, I always looked out for who 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 was it that knew more than I did yeah. and, and even today um, with, with all of my experience I still uh, I still think that there's a lot I can learn and, yeah. and you know uh, we talk about digital we talk about sports technology we talk about all of the evolution of the industry you know there's so much to learn you know sports performance is just incredible and, and if you are if you are an expert and that constantly gets called up on TV and, mm. and media uh, you better be learning every day, otherwise you yeah. you you start sounding stupid. Exactly, I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, Emeka, thanks so much. It's been great, um, guys. Again, as I mentioned, we're gonna break it down. So this is just the first part. We'll come back to you with the second part on analytics and social media and data. But guys, thanks again. Um, please subscribe, share comment um let us know again if you want to hear that podcast or you want us to do a podcast on the case study about basketball um let us know um but yeah thank you very much follow us Emeka, do you want to share your like your websites and your social handles so people can follow you or get in contact with you i, I think it's very simple um you, you know if you type my name emeka enyadike emeka e-m-e-k-a it's quite a popular nigerian name yeah uh, my, my, my last name is Enyadike, E-N-Y-A-D-I-K-E. Yeah. So uh, on Twitter, I'm at Emeka Enyadike. On Facebook, I'm Emeka Enyadike. On LinkedIn, I'm Emeka Enyadike. On Instagram, I'm Emeka Enyadike. So um, if you're in doubt, just Google Emeka Enyadike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see your picture me. there. Yes.
Brilliant. But guys, thanks so much again. Don't forget to subscribe, share, comment, like, and we shall see you again shortly. Thanks again, guys, and take care.